Welcome to the Craft of Shadows podcast, based on the novel The Jewel of Nineveh by Dewish Basiti. Discover new content and subscribe to receive updates at craftofshadows.com. Now, on with the show. Chapter 24 The Theft The congregation, their whispers like the soft roaring of the sea, sat in their seats, arranged in two long blocks, row after row, with a wide walkway that ran from the entrance of the pavilion down to the raised dais bearing the two thrones. On either side of the dais, tables were piled high with ribbon-tied gifts for the soon-to-be-wedded couple. Mysterious crates hiding their contents and boxes and parcels of all kinds. A hundred candles had been arrayed around the edges of the dais, and the golden pillars of the frames of the thrones glistened in the bright light. In front of the thrones, an impressive clergyman wearing sombre black robes and a tall conical hat, the gold pendant of his religious authority around his neck, stood with his hands clasped before him, his beard reaching past his knees and eyebrows. So bushy that only a twinkle of his eyes could be seen underneath. Three short steps below, standing in front of the priest, the sultan fidgeted with his fingers, fiddled with his tunic and exchanged nervous glances with the thief. Still in his officer's guard and clenching a golden ring in his fist. Every one of the sultan's elite guard unit, 1,000 men, stood around the perimeter of the great pavilion. Shoulder to armoured shoulder, forming a steel cordon, three men deep. The magnificent purple of their formal dress uniform, a rare privilege granted by the Sultan himself. Their faces were fiercely proud of their duty as the honour guard for the ceremony. A fanfare, brassy and loud, rang from the trumpeters on either side of the dais. The guests stood up and a hush descended. Shuffling their feet and craning their heads around to look down the walkway back to the opening of the pavilion. The Jewel of Nineveh walked slowly between the parted curtains, pausing after each step, her head held high. Covered by the fine netting of a red veil that fell from her head to her hands, she clutched a spray of orchids so delicate. They trembled with her every step. Two children, a boy and a girl, walked ahead of her, carrying a small basket each and tossing handfuls of fresh petals in her path. Ladies cooed as she made her slow procession down the aisle, dabbing away flecks of tears. Men raised admiring eyebrows and the gaze of all the congregation was on her slim form as she moved elegantly past. She looked only at Manu, and a fine sheen of perspiration 
started to form on his brow. The sultan beamed at the approaching jewel, rocking back on his heels and smoothed down the front of his tunic. Manu noticed on the edge of his vision the flower boy moving forward the stacked presents. The jewel of Nineveh arrived at the dais and took the outstretched hand of the sultan as they turned to face the priest. It is my pleasure and my honour to be asked here to join these two people in marriage. His Majesty will be providing for the future of our city by continuing the august reign of his line. The priest cleared his throat noisily and waved away a wisp of smoke that had drifted over from the candles. Lords and ladies, your attendance at this state ceremony is a formal one of affiliation and honour, but I hope that, like me, you also find that it is a happy one which you perform with the love we all feel for His Majesty and the ecstasy of his joyful bride. He coughed and waved away some more smoke. There was a flash of light and an explosion tore through the air. Fireworks screamed up to the canopy of the pavilion, showering the multi-hued sparks onto congregation. Their arms raised protectively and jaws gaping at the spectacle. Some rockets burst through the canvas roof and left charred and smoking holes. People screamed and surged for the entrance as acrid smoke filled the room. The Sultan's elite guards nervously took steps forward, hands raised to the hilts of their swords. No one could be allowed to leave without the Sultan's permission. A huge shape began to rise from behind the throne dais, an elephantine, bulbous form that swelled and grew every second. Almost imperceptible at first, a humming became a droning and then a wild electric buzzing as a swarm of glittering bees poured out from the smoke and into the shrieking onlookers. Manu pushed past the sultan and snatched the jewel's hand from him. Come on. He dragged her up the stairs and between the two thrones, the clergyman stepping back with tears streaming down his cheeks and coughing hard as he inhaled more smoke. Jum was standing inside a crate with the charred paper remains of launched fireworks all around him. The crate was attached to the swelling balloon that rose above them and started to tug the crate off the ground. Manu swept an arm around Delani's waist and another under her knees and hoisted her into the crate. It settled back on the ground again 
and June tugged frantically on an in intricate brass oil burner that was fixed into the collar of the balloon. The Sultan collapsed backward and landed heavily on his rump, staring at the huge shape appearing out of the smoke. The elite guards started forward, drawing their swords and surging towards the Sultan. They formed a cordon of muscle and steel, swatting at the infestation of insects. Manu snatched up a huge red firework, longer and thicker than his arm, lit it on the candles and with a quick glance at the roof, planted it firmly into the ground, driving the spike in its base straight through the carpets and matting and into the earth below. Manu! Delani reached for the thief as he sprinted back to the crate, rising up off the ground. He leapt, catching her hand as a balloon rose into the air, spears of the first elite guards jabbing at his feet as the balloon started to press against the canopy of the pavilion. June grabbed his other hand, and Manu struggled up and squeezed into the crowded crate. This is your rescue plan? Delani was pressed up tight against Manu's body, and he felt her heart skipping erratically as her cheeks burning up as she nuzzled against him. Manu grinned and pointed at a spot on the canopy. There. The huge firework roared up from the ground, scattering the elite guard clustered under the balloon with the flare and black smoke of the launch. It exploded against the canopy in a shower of white stars, ripping the canvas open and setting it ablaze. The pavilion flapped apart, flaming cloth raining down on the shrieking congregation as the balloon rose serenely into the night. The whole world spread out before them, the vaulting arch of the heavens above, twisting, misty constellations and scintillating stars. The perfect circle of the horizon vanished off sheer into the distance in every direction. The moon, full and lustrous, cast pearly light on the ghostly floating balloon as it drifted away from God's finger in a peaceful breeze. Manu put one arm around Delani's slim waist and pulled her closer to him. She squeaked in flustered protestation. Her fingers trembled uncontrollably. He slowly raised her veil, peeled it back from her hair and gazed deeply into her eyes as he let the tulle slip out of his fingers and flutter away beneath them, a rose petal falling in the night. I've been wondering for some days now what it would be like to kiss you while you were awake. He ran his fingers through her hair and gently held her by the back of her head. She closed her eyes with a faint sigh 
and her lips parted slightly. Thief inclined his head and he kissed her. Hesitantly, slowly, her trembling hands reached for him. Then she clutched him, pulled him tighter, and Manu felt the softness of her body against the hardness of his own. Yuck, really? Just get your own crate. June wrinkled his nose at the coiled couple. Delaney broke off the kiss, gasping as her lips parted, then dreamy eyes opening and taking in June's expression. She laughed, and Manu twisted around to look over his shoulder. Hey, good work down there, kid. An infiltration and an escape. I'm impressed. I may just have to keep you around after all. Joom grinned. It was fun. Did you see all those guards jumping about and waving their spears? We sure showed them. Sure did, kid. They drifted away from the palace and across the city. Pinpricks of red light as they passed over chimneys. The torch-lit streets, strings of golden pools. The rest of the buildings washed with the silver of the moon. Beyond the edge of the city, the campfires burned in the Nineveh camp. The balloon was slowly losing height as it drifted further from God's finger, still high above even the tallest minarets, but falling below the peak of that massive column, rupturing the perfect horizon and the splintering the ethereal state of pure isolation above the world. Delaney rested her head on Manu's chest. He felt his heart begin to beat faster, and he knew she must hear it. She looked up at him with wide eyes, moistly glistening in the moonlight. Where will we go, Manu? She said his name like she was kissing it, each syllable brushing against her lips ran a trickle of delicious shock down the sides of his neck and into his fingertips. I've one last task to perform, to bring an end to this madness and finish a war. He took his hand from behind Delani's head and reached a fingertip down to the edge of the crate where a grey moth had settled. He smiled and turned his head back to look at the sheer wall of rock. Two weeks ago, was it? It feels like a lifetime, he thought. Fire still smouldered along the city walls. Most of the buildings that were built directly inside the massive fortifications had lost their roofs. The timbers bearing them had been burned through and the mud bricks had fallen and shattered. Skeletal eye sockets staring up at them as the balloon sailed slowly over the walls. Jum tugged the chain that led to Vashir's oil burning contraption. It clicked each time 
but no corresponding flame roared. The lower they came, the faster it seemed the ground rush passed. Delaney clutched Manu tightly and bit on her lip as she looked over the edge of the crate. He squeezed her protectively to his chest. We're out of oil. Jum tugged the chain one last time, then relinquished it with a sigh. It does not matter. We'll land close enough. They drifted over the abandoned farmhouses and the fields with their rows of crops. Some of the oranges should have been harvested already, and the cloying alcoholic scent of rotting fruit rose from the trees. The crate shuddered as it brushed along the top of an orange tree, whispering leaves and the crackling of branches. We're going down. Hold on. The balloon swept on, descending by paces as they fell toward General Musa's palatial tent. The general was standing outside with Hatra to his right, his helmet tucked under his arm, picked out by a beam of moonlight. The four commanders stood behind him, jaws open as the crate touched down and skidded to a halt in front of them. Jum leaped out and pulled on the ropes leading to the deflating stack of cooling air and guided the collapse of the balloon to the side. General Musa was scratching his chin through his beard as a thief hopped out of the crate and bowed with a flourish. Quite a performance. Enjoy the show? General Musa threw his head back and laughed deep and rich. Then he clapped the thief on his shoulder, knocking the slighter man to the side. Tens of thousands would have died in a senseless war of pride. You brought an end to it. And what has happened to the Grand Vizier, whom I understand orchestrated this? Manu drew his finger across his throat and crossed his eyes. Then he grinned. Very dead. I took care of it personally. General Musa leaned forward. If I asked you to work for me, I take it you'd decline. Respectfully, General, I am not very good with authority. Manu shook his head politely. To tell you the truth, a part of me would have been disappointed if you had accepted. Still, a deal is a deal. He raised a thickly muscled arm and snapped his fingers. One of the commanders came forward and handed the thief a sack the size of his head. Manu peered inside, then whistled and retied the bag. Most generous. A queen's ransom. Nineveh is grateful to you for returning the jewel, and you will always find a welcome if you are ever passing nearby. What? Delaney struggled out of the crate, falling onto the ground, 
her sleeve ripping as she tumbled. She struggled to her feet and advanced on the thief, her fingers curling into claws. I thought you loved me. You did this for money? But you kissed me. Why? The thief shrugged and pursed his lips. You are very beautiful. I took what I wanted. The jewel of Nineveh threw herself at him, beating at his chest and shrieking with rage. Two commanders pulled her off him and carried her away, her shrill rage piercing the cool night air. Hatra looked at Manu through one narrowed eye and tapped her lips with a finger. And tell me, what did we share? The thief smiled at her. We were wonderful together, and maybe in another life we would be lovers and plunder our way through the world. But I know you will never leave your city now, for the weak leader and the future uncertain. I can live in the shadows, but not live in secret. You know that I cannot be the queen to your king in the underworld, and so I must find my own destiny. It's not here. He took her by the shoulders and kissed her. She bent like a tree in the wind under his passionate embrace, then straightened up and slapped him hard. What was that for? He rubbed his cheek, a lock of black hair hanging down across one eye. You will remember me better that way. Strength and softness. Manu, come back when you grow to miss me. I'll be waiting. Her lips rolled together as she savoured the kiss. Manu laughed and scratched the back of his neck. You are probably right. Take care of yourself, Hatra, and look out for that crazy old man. Hatra unslung a pack from over her shoulder and handed it to him. Here, I think I always knew you would not stay forever. He opened the pack, smiling, swapped the sword on his hip for his knife and handed the black-sheathed shamshir back to Hatra. It served me well, but I am glad to have my own tools back. Thank you. Their fingers touched as the exchange was made, and a flame ran through his veins. He pulled her against his chest and crushed his lips to hers. They were interrupted by the whinny of horses, and the drumming of hooves as June rode over to them astride a black mare, the boy's face beaming with wide-eyed excitement, pulling his horse's twin along by the reins. Tendrils of their hot breath streamed in around their muzzles as the chill of the night settled on the desert. The thief vaulted into the saddle and reined in the skittery beast, patting it on the side of the neck and whispering softly to it. 
Farewell, friends. He held up a palm, nodded once, then turned the horse around and urged it forward. The horse was strong and readily took to a fast pace, the wind whipping the thieves' hair. Smiles spread across his face as his prospect of an open road ahead of him rose giddily up his spine. Jum rode beside him. What now, Lord Manu? Hey, watch the cheek, kid. I might leave you behind after all. Jum laughed. Sorry, master. I'll be good, I promise. Where are we going? It's a big world out there, kid, and I aim to see all of it. After all, we're set up for some time. He patted the pouch of jewels. Do I get to buy things too? Whatever you want, kid, you've earned your share. A sword! Manu groaned. Is that the best you can think of? We've got a fortune here. Well, what happens when we spend it all? Manu laughed softly. Something will come up. Something always does. Stay tuned for the next episode of the Craft of Shadows podcast. More details at craftofshadows.com. Copyright 2020, Dewish Pathiti and Victor Publishing. Title music by Turku, Nomads of the Silk Road, at turkumusic.com.